0: What a topic, huh? A pastor's favorite topic to talk about is always money. That's a lie. (laughs) It is not. But let me start off by reading a passage of Scripture. This is found in Proverbs. It says, Every sensible person acts knowledgeably. Some translations say uh, uh, is a prudent person. But a fool displays his stupidity. (laughs) Now you may think that's a little strong to be in the Bible. There's all kinds of translations of that word, but I kind of relate to it because that's me. (laughs) That's me. So many times in my life I've made foolish, stupid mistakes, and I want to get better at this thing, especially when it comes to finances. If you're like most people, one of the greatest sources of stress in your life It will be, it is, it used to be. It's going to be money. If you're like most people, the stress centered around not having enough money at the right time affects you. Studies indicate that two-thirds of all married couples report that their most serious conflicts revolve around money. And more than 50% of the divorces are caused by disagreements and stress over money. A lot of us can probably say amen to that one. Years ago, when I was serving the church in Florida, my salary was less than $27,000. That's per year, not per month. Okay? To be honest, I was kind of satisfied with it. I was new in the ministry, and it was so cool to be able to work at a church, and But I would have accepted more, you know, if they had offered it. One day I was having lunch with a a member of the church who, in my opinion, was a well-to-do guy. He had a good job. He had a really nice car, nice house. And he made this comment. He said, it's impossible to have a decent lifestyle in Florida and probably a lot of places with less than $150,000 a year. That was over five times the amount I was making at the time, and he was on the committee that decided my salary. Hmm. (laughs) Instead of mentioning that, I I said, Bob, I'll call him, this is none of my business, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you probably make just a little bit under $150,000 a year, and you're saying that if you made just a little bit more, you'd be a little bit more comfortable well maybe it was comments like that that kept my salary so low you know (laughs) but anyway he didn't say anything about that he just said well i guess you're right orange county california southern california one of the most affluent places in america yet a few years ago when the residents were surveyed with this question what do you need the most guess what they said more money more money Of course, if we were to ask this question around our community, even though it's not Orange County, I bet a lot of people would answer the same way. The truth is that most of the time we don't really need more money, we just need to tweak our financial priorities. Some of you will go on that mission trip to Haiti. One thing you'll notice in a third world country is that the abundance of money is not nearly as important as you think. But the management of money is extremely important. When I went to Guatemala, it amazed me that when I would meet people uh, that made a lot less than me, but they would manage their money so well. They knew what to do with it, and they were not stressed out about money. Not at all. Visiting a third world country made me reevaluate everything especially financially in my life priorities habits goals just like last week when i spoke on time management i made it clear that i haven't achieved that as an expert yet it's the same thing with this you know dave ramsey won't be calling me to get any advice or tips about money but i have learned some things over the years And I want to share some things with you that that I'm really learning too. First, let's look at the problems. Some of the problems, I've already mentioned some. But misplaced financial priorities can really make your life miserable. I'm preaching to the choir here, aren't I? I already mentioned the thing about divorce and money. And if not divorce, many couples fight about it constantly. People get sick over money issues. They get depressed. People cannot even enjoy life. They can't enjoy being with their wife. They can't enjoy playing with the kids. Some people have actually committed suicide because of of their money troubles. Most of the time, and I say this as someone who has an intimate knowledge of money problems, most of the time, nearly all of the time, it's not a matter of not having enough. It's a matter of not managing it well. So what good will this do? To manage our money, what good will it do? Well, when you get your financial priorities under control, and I want to make it clear, that doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to go out of here today and go, ah, I got it. But when you get your financial priorities under control, your quality of life will skyrocket. It will skyrocket. You'll experience peace that you didn't know before, contentment. That you didn't know before. It'll make a difference in other people's lives that you didn't make a difference in before. So today I want to talk about five ways that we can kind of tweak our financial priorities in order to bring more peace, more of that commitment, uh, contentment, and security into our lives. How do we put this into practice? First of all, decide today to settle in for the long haul. Like I said, this doesn't happen overnight. Decide right now, okay, I'm going to, whatever I try, whatever I do to improve my situation, I'm going to do it in the long haul. In past weeks, we've talked about how making these personal changes can be a chore, difficult, like forgiving others. That takes repeated effort over and over. What about taking control of the way we think? It takes a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Lindsay talked to us about the way we use our words. Boy, that takes practice, doesn't it? You can't just simply wave your hand in this topic and make it go away or make it better. You have to work hard. It's a lifelong process. Just as you have to continue eating right and exercising right, If you want to be healthy, you just got to keep doing that. It's the same way with our financial peace, if we want to get that. One of the ways you settle in for the long haul is to become become as informed as possible. Again, our main text says, I'll read it in another translation, Every wise person acts with good sense, but fools show how foolish they are. Accept the fact now that learning about money matters will be part of your life from here on out. Just get ready for that. As you look at your financial situation, ask yourself, in what areas do I need to improve? Do I need to take a master's level class on investments? Maybe you don't need that. Some people may. Maybe you just need to go out and buy household budgeting for dummies may work. Do I need to learn more about giving? That's another aspect of this whole financial thing. Look at areas in which you have room to improve and start improving. Settling in for the long haul means that you will become a lifelong learner. It means that you're not going to give this a half-hearted effort. It means that you're going to try and try and keep trying, keep learning. If you do this, financial peace can come and it'll come much earlier than if you just keep up with your old habits those are the ones that keep you stressed out here's the second thing start paying attention to what you do with your money a question we all undoubtedly have asked where does it all go so fast haven't you? You know, there's actually a proverb that says, money sprouts wings and flies away. Wow, that's so true, so true. You know how it is. I just broke a $20 bill yesterday, and now it's gone. Where did it go? Common for most people. But you can prevent this kind of financial amnesia by just keeping records of what you buy. Some years ago, I made an amazing discovery about myself. I was spending around $40 a month on soft drinks. Whoa, I won't even tell you how much I was spending on pizza. Hmm. Every time I stopped by a Coke machine, I thought, oh, what the heck, it's just a dollar. It's Just a dollar. But a dollar at a time adds up. I was spending upwards towards $500 a year on soda. What a joke, not really contributing to my uh, better life, was it? I decided if I'm going to waste $500 a year, I would rather waste it on something more meaningful than soda. I could buy season tickets to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games. Maybe not, that would have been a drag. I could have gone to Disney World for that, less than that. Maybe not today, (laughs) I think you spend that much per person. I could go buy a new guitar. I could do so much more. You get the idea. When we start keeping track of where our money goes, we begin to realize that we're missing out on some of the better things. Solomon said, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. They sprout wings and fly. What's he saying? He's saying, know what's going on in your life financially. Know where you are. Know how much you have. Know where you're spending it. Keep track of your financial, Keeping track of your financial uh, responsibilities doesn't really require a lot of work. It really doesn't. It just, it just has to be consistent. It has to be a lifelong thing. Now, many people make this way more difficult than it needs to be. They kind of get legalistic about it. So, like, if they go to Walmart, they're going to categorize what they spent on the milk and what they spent on the the bathroom products and what they spent on the yard products. You know, you don't have to go crazy with it, but just take a look. Understand what you're spending money on. It's impossible, really, to keep up an intense level on that anyway, so kind of cut yourself some slack. You only have to track in general terms what you're spending your money on. And keeping good uh, financial records makes it possible for you to manage your money and it gives you strength. It gives you a a position of strength because you've got fewer surprises along the way. I'm I'm really impressed by our financial team here and, and the details they go to. I mean, we know what's coming up every time we have an elders meeting we know what's coming up because we see it from years past and we try to plan accordingly you know we don't get it all the time we miss it a lot but man it's it's good to have it there good to have that information here's another thing you can do start putting money away today just do it some way where you can figure it out I, i really have a hard time with this one too I know someone who told me his strategy for saving money was, uh, was made really easy when banking online started. He said every day he just goes to his bank account and moves over some dollars and change, and he, it adds up. And, and I'm talking little. He says, like, if my checking account has $212.47, then I go to the, I go to the online thing, and I take out $1.47. Put that in my savings. I mean, what's that, $50 a year maybe? I don't know. But it is more than I was saving. It kind of convicted me. $1.47, he's saving more than me. Solomon said the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Impulsive spending. Oh, i got an extra $100. What can I buy? That's my first thought. Why not, what can I save? (laughs) And then buy some with the leftover. Solomon also said, money that is gathered little by little grows. Now if the wisest man to ever live says that, I think we ought to listen. I know this guy who managed a financial fund with a minimum investment of $250,000. That's how much you had to invest the first time to get into this thing. And what I found amazing was the vast majority of his his investors were plain, ordinary, working-class people. Just over the course of time, they had saved money until they could participate in his fund. Awesome. Begin the habit of putting aside money each month. Even if it seems to be a small amount, it will grow over time. It'll teach you discipline. Savings teaches you discipline which gives you discipline when you spend also here's the fourth thing you can do make every effort to get out of debt i used to get really annoyed when i'd hear these financial consultants say you've got to get debt away from you you got to get out from under its control get away from debt used to really take me off because i was in debt i think that's easy for you to say You can't just do that, like, you're acting like I can just flip my arms up and down and start flying. That may be easier than what you're saying. (laughs) Getting out of debt isn't easy, but it's possible. You can work at it. It begins with a commitment. Maybe that first commitment should be, I'm not going to go any further into debt. Terry and I have made some mistakes a couple of times by putting things on credit cards that probably could have waited. The only thing credit cards are useful for is spending more money, getting in more debt, and bringing a little more misery into your life. How many people ever felt really good about looking at their credit card bill and seeing it rise? Hmm. What about car payments? We all need a car, right? One way to do a little bit better is stop buying new cars, maybe. I mean, that works for me. We haven't bought a new car since I remember. I think they've been three to four years old, right around there, maybe even older. That means I drive with less than state-of-the-art vehicles, (laughs) but my debt is lower. And we all know how good it feels when the car payment is over, right? Recent statistics show that Americans carry about three-quarters of a trillion dollars in credit card debt. Three quarters of a trillion dollars. What people are buying with their cards is most often not things with a long-term value. They're buying groceries and gas, taking months to pay that stuff off. That kind of debt definitely leads to misery. You know, go get that lobster tail and it's not going to taste so good if you know it's on the credit card. You've seen those MasterCard commercials? You know, they portray the, the credit card will bring fulfillment to your life. They say things like, Airfare for two to Paris, $1,800. Rental for your private chalet, $650 a night. An evening meal for two at a sidewalk cafe for $150. Sharing it all with the one you love, priceless. Priceless. They should use this tag. The stress of having to pay for that card at 21.5% interest, not anywhere worth the cost. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with going to Paris, France, but if you can't afford traveling because of the debt you're in, maybe you ought to reconsider Paris, Tennessee. A little bitty town, you know, a lot cheaper. Paul said, owe nothing to anyone Accept the debt of love. That's good advice. We should always owe love to each other, but let's don't owe money. That'd feel good. I sure wish I wasn't paying so much to other people. Eliminating debt is something that most people take years to accomplish. That's why my first point in this message is to settle in for the long haul. Just because you don't get rid of it in the next couple of months, that'd mean you stop trying. Probably won't be able to get rid of all the debt in just a few months. The effort is worth it, though. All right, ready for the fifth thing? Give more this month than you did last month. Just give more. Any any kind of giving, really, but since we're talking about finances, let's talk about that. We have a tendency to give only when it's easy to give. we got extra money, okay, now we'll give something away. When things get tight, what we give to God is often the first item we cut. It's a bad habit to get into for two reasons. One, it shows a lack of gratitude to God for all he has given to you. And two, it shows a lack of trust in God's ability to help us through those rough times. Whether things are easy right now in your financial life or whether they're difficult, Make it a habit to give to God first before you spend your money on anything else. Solomon said, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God's mathematics are really weird. You give away and he gives back. You can't outgive God. He keeps giving back. In the same way that uh, this discipline happens in the area of savings, it can happen in the area of of spending and giving. It'll make your life more consistent because there'll be less stress. You'll know that you're, you're, you're doing this thing God said to do, and something's got to happen. If God told me to do this and I'm being obedient, something's got to happen. He's not a sneaky God that's trying to rip me off. It opens the door for his blessings. Solomon says, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Next week, we're going to have communion. And at the end of the service, we always take a benevolence offering. Just think of that. When you give to our benevolence fund, that money goes out to other people to help them eat, to help them pay bills that also allows them to eat. If they can't pay the bills. They use the money that they used to eat. You see how it goes. Malachi says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is the way the, the Levites, the priests, would eat they take the food that people brought in as tithes. And God says this. I love this about God. Test me in this. Can you imagine testing God? You know, we, we really do it all the time. But here it is in plain black and white. God said it himself. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. The word floodgates here, it's the same word used when the flood came, all the Noah stuff. And it says the earth, the floodgates of the earth opened up. The rain came down, the springs, floodgates. Can you imagine that kind of blessings? I doesn't mean it's penny for penny. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But when God tells me a floodgate of blessings is coming my way, I don't really care. I'm not going to be too picky about that one, right? Flood it on. Bring it on. People ask, how much should I give? The biblical guideline in the Old and the New Testament. Some people say the New Testament doesn't teach about tithing. Well, it doesn't need to because it's an Old Testament time that the Gospels, those were written in the Old Testament times, the Old Testament laws. So he didn't need to teach it again. They understood what tithing is. Tithing is 10%. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. A tithe means 10%. That should at least be your goal. Most people, by making only a few minor adjustments, could start giving 10% of their income right away. Just a few minor adjustments. If you currently don't tithe, but you want to take control of your finances, I encourage you to make that an effort. Think floodgates. Now, that's not really our heart, why we should give. We should give out of generosity, out of a, out of a cheerful heart. That's the reason we're supposed to give, out of obedience to God. But, hey, you're going to turn down the benefits? Okay? Why not? Why not? You may not be able to give as much money as other people in dollar amounts, But whatever you give to God, it's honorable. He'll bless you for it. Listen to what Paul said about giving: if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to one to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If one of you give five thousand dollars today, and I give ten, if that's what I have. Should I feel guilty about that because you gave 5000 No. God sees our hearts. But just start doing things like give more this month than you did last month. Even if it's just a dollar more. Give more next month than you gave this month. The more you give, the more you are going to bless others. And you get a blessing in return sometimes 10 times over. Financial management is such a complicated subject. I mean, look at all the books written on it. Look at all the seminars, weekend seminars. So really a 25-minute sermon is barely scratching the surface, right? I can't go too deep in this. But I hope this will challenge some of you in your financial habits. I know it's challenged me already. What if, what if we changed our financial priorities? What if we just looked at money differently? What if we weren't so unbelievably, unhealthily attached to it? What if? I think we'd have a lot less stress. I think there'd be more peace in our lives. And most of all, I think we would really learn what it's like to bless other people whether you give to an organization or give to an individual themselves. If you know it's going to to help some cause, if it's going to do something that the Lord has laid on your heart, man, there's nothing better. You just know that you know that you know. You know, some people are even good about, like on a street corner in Harrisburg, somebody asking for money. And you know, what they all say, I say it too. You know, well, they're just going to go use that $10 for alcohol. Just going to use it for drugs. Some people don't care. They just want to give. They say, God, it's up to you what this guy, this gal uses this money for. But I'm going to give it because I feel like you're telling me to. That's really what this What If series has been about. What if we just did things God's way? Wow. Wow. I don't think we'd be the same people. We wouldn't be the same church if we all just got on board, followed God. What'd you say? We should give that a try. Maybe like every day, give it another try. When we mess up one day, pfft, go for the next day. What if, what if? That should be the biggest question in your mind this week. What if? And apply it to something in your life. Let's pray. God Almighty, what if you didn't give? What if you didn't send Jesus Christ and give your one and only Son? We would be dead in our sins. We would be on our path to destruction. We would be going to a place where we're totally separated from you. But in your mercy, in your wisdom, in your great plan, you sent Jesus. You gave us your son. God, so I can't think of one thing that I could give that would surpass what you gave me. So help me to be a giver. Help me to manage my money better than I do now. Help me to to stay in it for the long haul. And God, I pray that, I know you don't have to do this, but I pray that you'd give me a little, uh, maybe a little icing on the cake that lets me see what my money that I give away does. lets me see the blessing it is for others. And most of all, Lord, let it be a blessing to you. Let the way I treat everything I own be a blessing to you and to all of us. And we pray this, in the great name, in the giving name, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You guys have a great week. Be blessed. Let those floodgates pour out on you.